0: Hello, everyone. Well, I know this live stream on a Monday at noon is not exactly the most, I would say, convenient. But uh, nevertheless, we are here live on a Monday just after the season ended for Lakeland Week 22 recap here at com. I am Rohelio Castillo alongside me. Uh, I should have a couple guests here shortly. that will be joining me, talking about the recap the entire Weekend the week that was the minor leagues in week 22, a lot of excitement. Lakeland joining the postseason. They will be going, they start their series tomorrow against Clearwater. We'll talk about that a little bit. The West Michigan Whitecaps just came up a half a game short, unfortunately, to get in the postseason. And uh, we'll go over Jason Jace Young's big week in, Tali- uh, in Erie. And uh, congratulations in order to Sawyer Gibson along as he made his major league debut on Sunday against the White Sox and pitched pretty well. So we'll talk about a little bit about that. And some of the things that he talked to us before about a month, about a month ago, as he was looking at pitch sequencing and really technically he changed his three new pitches and he added the cutter and it was pretty cool to see that he was adapting as quickly as possible. But the change up yesterday was a, was a thing of beauty and when you're featured on p- pitching ninja like that, that's, that's pretty cool. Well, we'll, I'll clip that together here shortly. I'll show that how that worked, but first and foremost, I want to thank everybody for tuning in for tuning in every week. So we're, we're about we two weeks left of the minor league regular season. Next week is the post for Erie rather. So Toledo, I'm sorry, we have two weeks left of triple a. And then next week is the double a playoffs. And it looks like Erie's going to be playing Richmond from what all, from all accounts, if I have that correct. And Toledo right now, it, it, pending a hot run here, but their their offense has been clicking as of late. They 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 split against Indianapolis. We'll talk about that too as well. But make sure that you follow us on our YouTube channel. Make sure you're subscribed. If you are, you watch us right now. Join our Patreon or follow us on Twitter. And thanks for everybody who's been sharing our clips and participating as much as possible and getting the word out this year. We we really appreciate it. And I know again, so apologize apologize for the um the late time or the time on the middle of the day but uh it's just it was just more convenient that we had a work function yesterday out in cleveland and it was uh really cool matthew good to see you in here uh the editor over at um water city Bengals. yeah it's really rare to do this during the middle of a, a, a work day if you will but it's worked out pretty well and i appreciate the comments and bruce thanks for tuning in on the middle of the afternoon here so let's not let's go right into it a little bit. Let's go into Toledo and Nick Maton hit for the cycle this week. He had a, he had a really good week, week at the plate and the Mudhens this week against Indianapolis. It was, a, it was kind of like a Jekyll and high kind of thing. There was a couple, there was a game there where they just trounced them 13 to two. And then the, the, the promotion of sort of gives Long and he's been pitching better as he, the numbers don't indicate it, it, this is a case where people would probably look at his last couple game logs and go, all right, why did they call him up? Well, it was the same thing with like Reese Olson. Numbers indicated that maybe Olson perhaps did not deserve a call up, but the Tigers development, credit to them on both, both Olson and Gibson Long. And Gibson Long looked really good. He was getting some really nasty movement on his pitches yesterday that kind of like the power change, if you will, the slider. It just even it wasn't necessarily he was just he looked confident out there. He looked like he belonged. And I mean, he, he ran in some trouble in the six, but that was expected. But you strike out Tim Anderson. Kudos to you. And I I know one man who was literally probably just as excited the sort of gives along that I was. And that is my man, Scott
1: Bentley. Bentley how are you man? That was the most seamless transition I think I've ever seen in my life, man. I don't think people are going to realize how impressive that was. I literally <coughs> just run- hopped in here in mid sentence, just boom. Uh,
0: it's, it's one of those things where if you're, if you're like, I, I used to do radio and I used to, that was like one of the biggest things they taught you at Specs Howard is making sure your transitions are seamless and you, you know, you, you have those segues, it's tight. And so it's always been like ingrained in me. And even like when, uh, when I do business meetings, sometimes we're like, that was a smooth transition. I'm I just
1: impounded <laughs> you. So um, well, it sure was. Yeah, no, I was. Uh, you're absolutely right, though. I, You know, it's been it's been a heck of a, a couple of weeks for the Raj and Scott bandwagon, man, between Lipsius and Sawyer Gibson Long. I mean, we've had a, we've had a nice go of it here the last couple of weeks. Oh, I'm telling you, man, it's you
0: know, I I think you and me being the conductors of that train uh, (laughs) since uh, since day one on both parts. I'm not going to lie. I had a little bit of like a tear, a little bit of emotion seeing uh, uh, Lipsy is hitting that home run in Chicago. Yeah, man. But I mean, you you had a chance to talk to Gibson Long earlier this year on Locked on Tigers and the evolution of him becoming kind of a contact pitcher where you look at the return on paper early on. And you're like uh, well, it doesn't doesn't look promising, but then you hear you spoke to him about this, we spoke to him about this, how he worked on basically coming up with three new pitches, yeah, I mean in addition to the cutter, but changing the grip, bringing back his change to go along with his four steamer and slider, and he's become now a four or five pitcher, and it's uh, it's pretty amazing
1: to see, yeah, well, I, I think." You know, the the conversation around the cutter, I think, is so fascinating because it's it's becoming whether it's th- just this organization or whether it's, you know, all of kind of baseball realizing the value of like a good cutter. But, um, uh, you know, who's to say, but it is certainly become a trend Uh, And like we saw it with I know that, the you know, people are freak out and like Joey Wentz hasn't been good in the majors and whatever. But like he did a similar thing where like he didn't have one, came back from Tommy John and then had one. And then his numbers absolutely took off in the minors. And so seeing like that, that trend come to fruition where like obviously with Gibson Long, like that's that's another guy that, you know, got a cutter and it is awesome. And I hope that in his next outing, he throws it more. And I think that that's probably something that, you know, it was the first time fetter had seen him, you know, up close and in person on his own mound and whatnot. So I think that the the pitch sequencing going forward is like a really fascinating like conversation for me, but yeah, man, the, 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 I mean, <laughs> he looked good. He looked real good. And it, it really fired me up. I'm I'm super pumped for him.
0: Yeah, and you know one of the things he talked to us got uh, recently about how he was still working on the grip of the cutter, and so maybe that's one of those things. This is where you just don't judge the box score, and I cannot stress that enough because down in the minors, it's all about experimentation, yeah, and it's all about trying to develop your command, man, especially and really, so and especially, so. yeah, and people don't seem to think about that you, too you because
1: you can't look like I mean Reese Olson had a nine ERA in Toledo when he got called up, like um, Miguel Diaz, his ERA was over five. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's, he hasn't given up a run yet. Like it's like, it's just, it it, look more at peripherals and like K rate and walk rate than, you know, ERA a lot of times for sure. Yeah. Especially with like a
0: command where for Gibson long, the biggest thing for him was to try to neutralize lefties. And he has, Yeah, it's the same problem right now that Madden has, although Madden's numbers, we'll get into that a little later when we get to Erie, his numbers are better, but, The biggest thing I took away from the last month of Gibson Long, too, was to see if he can go deeper in the games because he's been like a five inning guy. And the the start, I saw him live in Toledo last month where he dominated against Omaha, where he just allowed really essentially a blue single. It was around 92, 93 pitches. And and that's where I was kind of concerned with. But I think in the last month, he's really proven that flying colors that he could be. Not just like a, a a two inning, three inning guy. I think he could be a four for fifth starter for a rotation.
1: Yeah, well, I I think that there's a there's a real conversation around the development path of a lot of these guys, right? Like, there were some questions about like Reese Olsen when he first came up and you know, like how long is he going to be in the rotation? And at what point, do you like kind of pull the plug and move him to the pen? Well, like we that he certainly doesn't deserve to be in the bullpen, right? Like Reese Olsen is going to be a starter for the rest of the year and he deserves it. I think that Gibson long is kind of a, a similar case where there were certainly some people out there that were like, eh, like maybe, you know, like multi-inning reliever, Alex Faito type. But I mean, based on what we saw, it it's one outing, you know, we'll see. And even if he stays up the rest of the year, which he should, you know, That'll it'll be, what, three or four, five outings? Like, you know, we're not going to have a huge sample size here, but um, I think that he's he's earned it, and I think looking ahead in 2024 that – He's a guy where you you probably don't go into the offseason. I know this is a little like big picturey, but like you don't go into the offseason looking at like, oh, like we can just pencil him in guaranteed as a rotation piece. But I think you go into spring training under the impression of like, you know, let's see what he's got. And if he's good enough, then we have that conversation then.
0: No, oh, yeah, I completely agree with that because there's no I, I don't like sometimes when I think fans sometimes already have this built-in idea that, okay, this is going to be the 2024 roster, this is the opening day lineup. To a certain extent, you can have that conversation, but I think with pitching, with so many variables, with injury and development, you have to kind of sit back and and ponder because, I mean, look at Mason Engler as an example. That's a guy that you and I were both still very high on. Unfortunately, he's injured and we don't know where he's going to fit in the Tigers' plans next year. It's not automatically... Assume that he's going back in the bullpen. He could start the year in Toledo because Toledo this year has been really a, I hate to sound rude, but it's been a dumpster fire. When it no, comes you're to right. starting, <laughs> you know, like it's you, they, it's, it's usually what it is. They'll, they'll put a guy out there and it's like, pray for the best. I mean, really yeah. it is. And it's a lot of filler right now. So in this case of Nick Maton too, and we get questions here about, uh, one year about Nick Mayton being a four A player, and it's kind of the same thing: is he filler or is he something that can go build off of him? He had a really good week against an a Indianapolis team that really had. They have a couple. They have a couple guys in there. They're they're pretty. They've seen some time in the show, but I, I don't. Mayton also fits in that. Well, we can't exactly pencil him in either. I, I there's that there's a really I think cloudy future for him. Whereas Matt Verling, yeah, granted, Verling has. You can just you know two, one can argue that he can be a four foul feeler type, but I think Verling right now has a little more value than Mayton does at the moment. But
1: for sure, I, I, I yeah, hundred percent. I, I I think the thing with Mayton that is I don't know, unfortunate, I guess uh, in terms of, and this is strictly how I view the game and, and how I view Mayton and, and I'm not saying that this should be like universal, but. um like I just don't care how well he hits in Triple A, man. Like it, it's like it's yeah. it's one of those. It's unfortunate, but it's like he could have a he could have a fifteen hundred OPS, and like that's awesome. Like good job, you know. I'm 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 glad you're making adjustments and, and and you're hitting the ball hard and whatnot. But like until he proves that he can hit a major league curveball for a full season, I just like for not even a, for any period of time. I just like I I I don't I, I don't care how well he can hit a triple A breaking ball. Like I care about how well he can hit a major league breaking ball because he literally just has not been able to all season. So like it's it's I'm glad he's making adjustments. He's changed his stance a few different times. He got rid of the big like open stance at the beginning and it's like come back and gone away and stuff. He he's changed like his load and like the position of his hands a few times. Like that's all great. And I hope that the adjustments he makes can lead to that but like when i just if i'm just like box score watching and i'm just like oh like you know Maton had like he obviously had a really good week this week he had the one crazy game with the cycle and the five hit day or whatever and it's just like that's that's great and awesome but like until until he he, he can hit major league non-fastballs i i just like the triple a numbers aren't going to really do anything for me
0: yeah, I'm I'm with you on that too because that's one of the things where we look at Tyler Nevin, for example. Everybody was really right. comfortable with Tyler Nevin. Great example. But in, at like, there's stints where he is hitting the cover off the ball in Triple A, but it doesn't really paint a full picture of him when he gets to the major league level. And so that's where I think sometimes when you see the people saying call him up, it's like you have to kind of look at it more than just looking at the box score, but also looking at the yeah, the quality of pitchers you're facing. So if he's for example, if you're facing a team like I'll, I'll give you I'll give you an example of a team that really like Columbus at one point had a pretty good starting staff because someone went up to, to play for the Guardians. So if they're playing somebody like Gavin Williams, for example, and sure. he is, you know, Gavin Williams has a, one of the best curveballs I've seen all season. And Tyler Nevin goes over for 4 against it. I'm going to go sit there. and go, Well, that gives me pause because. I think Gavin Williams at that time. I mean, even when he was down in his first start against Erie this year, Gavin Williams was a guy that should have been on a major league roster a long yeah. time ago. And so that's the kind of you well, look at that now. If he's facing thirty-one-year-old Joe Schmo, or in the case of I don't know, like a like a minor league veteran like that who's just just pairing, hanging on for dear life, and he matches him, I I'm not going to take that with the same uh,
1: value for sure. And that and that's why I think. That like what you guys do here is is so awesome and and such a valuable resource is because like you know you can with all the clips and and the videos even if you don't catch a game live like you can you can see like oh somebody homered and it's like you're you're not I don't have to just look at a box score like because of like the this resource that you guys provide here like I can even if I miss the game I can I can watch the <laughs> the at bat and see like oh that is. You know, like you said, like that is a, a random guy in the minors that is, you know, uh, not even on a 40 man roster or whatever. Or, oh, that is, you know, some major league caliber pitcher, or someone on a rehab assignment or whatnot. So I, I fully agree with you there. Yeah. And, and a guy like here's another example of this
0: too, Eddie's Leonard who had a he had a pretty good week mm. and he was in double A. This is his first call to triple A when he was in Tulsa. I'm a, a, a lot of questions come up about his defense because. When I did the initial scouting report, looking at him, it, like, he just it seemed like he was fine at shortstop, at, but some of the other sites graded him low defensively. And he makes a routine play. I, I don't, he hasn't really, to me, look, any, he's not making wild throws. He's pretty composed out there. What I've been impressed with this is his bat speed. And I've wonder, i am kind of wonder. I'm really wondering out loud, what the hell the Dodgers were thinking with this? Because I mean, this guy at his age. I mean, he's 22 years old, so he's below his age in AAA, and that's something that Scott Harris has spoken about to the media. That's something he values. My question to you is: From what you've seen, uh, to me, Scott, is he a guy? He's almost like the same thing. Like, does he in that four A category, or is he a little more than that? Because I think he's a little more than that. I think, like the pit, the, the Contreras home run he hit, where he literally went across the plate and just flicked it out to left. That was an example of wow, this guy. I mean, he he can get the bad head out there pretty quickly. But is it going to be something where he might struggle? I
1: also worry that I think he might struggle against some advanced off speed. Yeah, well, I I think the most <laughs> noteworthy thing to me is how hard he hits every single ball. Like that is it's it's wild, man. Like he his uh, the the if they were to compile like average exit velo and stuff, and I know you guys have a little bit more access to that stuff, but like. I mean, golly, like it it really does. When you watch games, it feels like every time he puts the ball in play, it's an absolute rocket. And so like that's super exciting. I, I think that as far as long term, like where does he fit in? I I haven't seen anything that would lead me to believe that he would be like, you know, like Johnny Peralta at shortstop. But like, I, I don't think he's going to be like a super high end either. I think. Ideally, they probably move him off short, like long term, maybe, you know, stay up the middle, or whatever, wherever they ended up putting him. But, um, I, I think, I think he's the type of player that has a, like, yeah, dude, look at that. Yeah. There. Yeah. There you go. I just, ever, about- the similar to, uh, to Dylan Dingler there. jeez. Yeah. And, like, by the way, yeah. Uh, props to our data wizard, Jerry, who is our, uh, Lord and Savior. Lord Jerry really is God. the man. Jerry is Jerry's a legend. Jerry could That's like the I, dog, man. I
0: mean, man, seriously, like he has been one of the best. Not only is he a really nice guy, but he's just one of the smartest guys I've ever seen work with baseball data in my he's life. It's best. like just doesn't even have to try. He'll just come up and he just actually he just cleaned this up. Like this is a new format that makes it a lot easier for us to pull. But I mean, this is this is the weekly stats for him against Indianapolis. So you're absolutely right. He's he's hitting it, and that's above a league average.
1: League average in yeah. AAA, I believe, is around 88.7 or something to that effect. So, but, look, I mean, look even, at that. like, hard hit rate and sweet yeah. spot, like, outside of Mayton, obviously. Like, he, yeah. I mean, he's got the highest on the team and all those. Like, he he just hits the heck out of the ball, man. I I think um, I would agree with you that I think the – and, again, like, this is maybe – Just the difference between like major league off speed and like what he's doing against minor league off speed and and kind of the long term outlook there. So uh, I I hope that he gets a look. I I would I have a hard time believing that he's going to find too much playing time in the majors in the last like three weeks of this season. But I think that he's a guy who uh, (laughs) I I, I worded as. He's a guy who next year we can get mad about just like we're getting mad about like Malloy and Keith this year that like people are going to probably be clamoring for him getting an opportunity and um, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I, I think that his ceiling is certainly higher than than for a utility. But um, I, I do think that he still has limitations, like you said, uh, kind of want to see him against major league non fastballs similar to <laughs> Mayton and, and others, I guess.
0: Yeah, and Matthew makes a good point. You don't want to see him in the majors before leave him for, for a but I've seen a couple of Dodger prospect people kinda saying he doesn't really have a place. And so I'm I'm a little myth by that. But granted, there's a there's one clear thing about Sky Harris that we've seen so far so far is he does like use utility players. He likes guys yeah. that can play different positions. If you look at the all these acquisitions are all we're 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 finally noticing a pattern here that uh, even with with the trade pickup, they picked up for the the Taiwan Ty- the Taiwan player they picked up in from Philly. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, he could play different positions, and he's not going to be long term, so it, it's going to be interesting to see. Because look, Le- uh, Leonard has not—I mean, he's played the outfield a little bit, not as much. Um, one gentleman I didn't put on here was Malloy, who was came after missing a couple games, he was back in the lineup. Still no Wenzel Perez, which I think be back related. Maybe they're just also taken as a precautionary. So I'm not going to irresponsibly speculate on that, but I know that his back, it took him a while in spring training to get going and he was hitting it really well. And it's the same thing that happened to him in year last year. He was hitting the ball really well and then they shut him down because of his back. So hopefully we'll get some sort of update this week as they're at home versus Columbus and then they have another series before they end of the season. But yeah, that's it, it's kind of been a blow for him because I don't know what you've seen with
1: Perez on the outfield, but he's actually been pretty solid. I, I, well, I had a question for you and like, I know where I stand on it, but like there was to, because this is just like how my brain works to compare it to hockey for five seconds. Like there was a, a prospect, uh, Albert Johansson for the Red Wings, who was crushing it all year down in Grand Rapids. And in like a ap- March, April, I guess it would have been like mid-March the Red Wings were going to call up some of their prospects to give them a look at the NHL. Cause they were out of the playoff picture and he got hurt literally the game before they were going to call him up. And then after the season, Iserman said he was like, yeah, we were going to call Johansson up. It sucks. He got hurt. He does. You know, now he hasn't played in the NHL and that's like copy and paste how I think when Perez would be here right now, at least I'd like to think so. If, there was like health and if he didn't get hurt and I wanted to know if you shared that sentiment because you would I feel like no more than me but like I feel like I feel like he would have been been like pretty uh, on the 40 man he was crushing the ball like honestly I feel like he would have been the pretty obvious choice
0: yeah no and I the day he got pulled the same day that Lipsius got pulled yeah I thought that it was just going to be those two going up and I really thought that because it was within I believe it within an inning of each other during that game and based off the conversations I had with some people, they wanted, he was struggling in Erie. And then the last month they picked it up and as soon as, cause they wanted to see how well he would, if he was going to pick it up in Erie. Once he did, they're like, okay, put him in Toledo because Harris looks at Toledo as if you're in Toledo, we're considering you for a major league roster spot at some point. And it's not as I would say where Toledo before, maybe perhaps been roster fodder or, um, to be competitive, to make the fans happy and to, or make the ownership happy in Toledo. They, I, I think that the way the Hens are going to be handled going forward will be a lot different than what you're normally typically seeing. And I think with Perez, I think he was going to get the call up. Whether, who they were going to move or whatever, or whomever they were going to remove on the roster spot remains to be seen. But I really, I think that because he, with Riley Green going down, he can also play the outfield. Right. It gives them that opportunity to put him in left. Or I don't think I think he got I don't I don't think he got a lot of time right if at all I have to double check that but I know he was getting time in left and center and gives you another option to look at in center outside of Parker Meadows too because he's also a switch hitter so that gives you like greater flexibility
1: yeah hundred percent I just I find it hard to believe that they like they added him to the forty last year and like they did Lipsius too um, but like they added him to the forty last year he had been crushing the ball in triple a like i and to your point like outfield as well i just i feel like he was a really like dare i say obvious choice to get the call up and then like the injury happened and that's super unfortunate yeah and i hopefully we'll get some sort of update on that
0: too this week as toledo comes home and with who i mean who knows what's gonna happen with the tigers in terms of like we know for a fact now that Austin Meadows is out for the rest of the year. Uh, AJ Hinch gave that update yesterday. and But they're, as far as the next couple of weeks are concerned, it's right now primarily going to be focused. I don't think we might see maybe one more call up. but I, I don't know, Scott. I, I don't, pending an injury, maybe. I, I don't know. I don't think position-wise, I mean, do you really see it? I don't really, th- I don't know, maybe pitcher-wise, but I don't know about positional player.
1: I I've been for about a week, week and a half now. I've been pretty hard set on like Malloy and Keith aren't playing Major League Baseball this year. Yeah. Um, and so I think there is an outside chance. Like if there is an update on Winsiel Perez, like back to that, I, I think he's a fairly easy candidate if they if they're confident in his health. I think that he could be someone that uh that still gets a look in the last couple of weeks of the season. But um I, I'd agree with you on, on the position player side of things. I, I don't really I don't like who else who else? Like I, I don't like <laughs> unless they just like for some reason felt like giving like Donnie Sands a chance for some reason right now. Like I, I don't I don't really know who else it, it would even be in that conversation uh, outside of those two, obviously. And then um and then Perez. So, yeah, I, I don't think you're going to see too many more call-ups um, uh, on that side of things. And then pitcher, like, my biggest one was just, like, please, for the love of everything, give Sawyer Gibson Long an opportunity. <laughs> so I'm, uh, I'm I'm glad that he finally they, – that they finally did. That was just what I've been screaming from the mountaintops for for a week or so now. Um, So I, I don't – and then, like, I have liked Miguel Diaz since the spring as well, so I'm glad that he kind of got a look um, even if it is kind of a short stint at the end of the year as well. So I, yeah, I, I don't really know of anybody else who's like really knocking on the door. I, I would probably agree with you, I guess. I did not really thought about it, but yeah. I mean,
0: because I, I look at, so for Diaz, uh, this is kind of what we saw in, in glimpses in San Diego and why the Tigers put him on the 40-man roster originally last year. When his command, is good. He's good. I mean, he's got some really. That change up splitter yeah. or whatever is disgusting, dude. When he gets it on, it's just like chef's kiss. But the problem is, is that kind of like uh, Zabata, the the other pitcher down Toledo. I mean, Zabata can throw the ball 100 miles an hour, but sometimes he doesn't know where it's going. And I think with Diaz, it's the same situation. But they saw something enough there where they've, again, props. to. If there's one takeaway before we get to Erie, Scott, that I think is. More apparent to me than any time else, and this is something that I've been saying this for a while now, and I, and I know you share the same sentiment. There is actual progress when it comes to development. You might not see it, like for example, Risky's struggling right now, but they turned a tw- they turned him and Hill into pitchers that were used. Are they good? No, the jury might be still out on them. But this is the case with sorry, Gibson Long. When you see a number, when his K per nine goes from around eight to 10 to 10 and a half. That is significant in a lot of different ways that they saw. They're like, okay, look, this is what he has. Let's see what we can do with it. And they have that kind of ability to do that with a, a guy who basically last year, I remember the, the collective sigh from fans. Like, who is this guy? Even when we went to Erie in the playoffs, we thought he was going to be a pitcher that was going to pitch to contact. He He's become a completely different pitcher overnight. And the fact that he's able to throw that out of his own arm slot and Robert lung, who is a cutter master. I mean, he's a cutter kind of sewer, if you will, who has been helping out with the, on the pitching side of things, but credit to Gabe Rivas too. Gabe Rivas has done a lot. And it's the same guy who also in the eerie lock Lyle lockhart who was doing, I mean, look at in, in, you know, that the Southern league double a, where the Dodgers play, is a hitter's paradise. I mean, if you're a pitcher and you're pitching like a three or or if you have an ERA under three, you're a good, you're a god. I, I that <laughs> league is so hitter friendly, Scott. And and it's one of those things where they saw something in like of Lockhart and he's been able to be an effective pitcher for they're they're teaching him a split finger in it now. I believe, yeah, they're teaching him a split finger. So they're they're constantly working on things. And this is something that I and, and all the time I've done this from a like from doing this detailed to just looking at it from a fan's perspective, I've never heard this because anytime that Chris and I would talk to players, we'd just like say, "Oh, go out there and do your thing." No, they're like, "No, no, you're gonna do this. You take right. three days off, and you're gonna learn a cutter in a damn
1: bullpen." It's well, it's it's crazy because. I mean, we're at a point like if you were to break it down into four groups, right? If you were to break it down into minor league pitching development, major league pitching development, minor league hitting development, major league hitting development, like the Tigers are the closest they've been to like checking off all those boxes, and like I I still, I think the jury is still for the like the one that's the furthest away is still like major league hitting development. I think that that's the one that like a lot of people still have a big question mark about. But like, I mean, objectively both on the pitching side have gone leaps and bounds in a positive direction over the last two years. And then the minor league hitting uh, has, again, like objectively taken huge strides in the right direction over the last few years. And so I think the, you know, handing the baton from like, you know, the minor league development team to like the coaching staff in Detroit is still like, uh, I mean, that's obviously a big deal and that's a huge talent increase amount who you're facing and all that is, is still very true, obviously. But like on the pitching side of thing, especially man, like it's again, like Reese Olson had like a 90 ERA and a weak minor league fastball and then came to the majors and is, you know, he, he doesn't have a two ERA or anything, but like he's, he's given people a lot of optimism. Like his command has substantially improved. Like, it's uh it's very very impressive how they have been able to take those strides in the development team and i think like i said i i think the next step to truly just be like a uh a, a i don't know like fully i don't know healthy might be the right word like organization as far as development goes with just to like really drive home major league hitting development and we have you know three new hitting coaches this year and they they've just taken a lot of strides in that direction as well obviously but um, you know, Carrie Carpenter's mashing still, but um, you know, I, I think that that's probably the last domino to fall into place for a lot of people.
0: I completely agree with you on that. And, and you look at like justice Bigby who got called up the triple A oh. because uh, that was more of like a necessity versus, yeah. I think, I, I think if Erie, well, I know this for a fact, if Erie and West Michigan had it their way, they would have kept them both. Especially I, West <laughs> Michigan. Yeah. Especially West Michigan right now is like, really? Yeah, you know, you pimped us out a little bit, but it, you know, uh, it was because of necessity. I look at a guy like big B who, I mean, the, the biggest question we have all year is he legit. He's legit. Is he legit? Is he legit? Um, he's continued like some people, I'm not going to say names, but some thinks that there, some people think he's uh bat hip magic, but, or they'll look at his numbers and kind of nitpick and without looking at the, I don't know, actual product on the field that makes, you know, uh, sense. um, I'm not gonna say who there's a conversation. um, there's an animated conversation I had with somebody about that. I'll tell you about that off air, but uh, no, it's, you're absolutely right. It, it, that is the last domino to the fall. And where I think, and this is something where you see something like, for example, like Chris Myers, Chris Myers in Erie has just, continues to adjust in double a well. I don't think, is he going to be a, a guy or not? I don't know, but I will say this from what we've seen in the last five years or prior to this, there is production from guys that are coming up where it's just not stagnant. Like I, I look at it as, well, you know, you can look at guys like, um, or, or, uh, Dominic, uh, I'm trying to think about guys like, a uh, recent example, like past examples, like, um, like when they brought in Quincy naporti, for example, last year, he's down in Lakeland. He's going to probably join the here U- in a week or so. That was okay. That was clear to me that they felt like it was okay. It was gonna be roster fodder or, some of the guys are mashing down in Erie that you could tell who's going to be in the major league level or not. And some were just there to placeholders, whether Myers is going to be that or not. But you see enough to go, OK, this guy, they put him in the outfield. They're experimenting. They're doing things with him to see where he can plug and play versus right. just
1: putting in a position and just see how he does. And it's constant adjustments too. on, on, I mean, you mentioned the pitching side of things, right? Like constantly working with, you know, new pitches and trying to utilize pitch sequencing as best as possible. But like on the offensive side, man, like it, it, it cannot go like unnoticed how many adjustments are constantly being made at the plate with, with a lot of these guys. I mean, like, uh, Meadows is like a great example. Meadows' swing was, you know, all over the place, and and he like couldn't really hit in in like West Michigan. Couldn't hit, and then like now is in the major leagues. Like it's it's there there is constant adjustments being made uh, throughout the entire system, and they're just trying to utilize players as best as possible. And and it's uh, refreshing, I think, is the word. Because to your point, a lot of times it, it felt like for. My entire life, really, it was just constantly like, "Oh, you know, go out there and do your thing, and then if you struggle and you get promoted to the next level, if right. you're not good enough, then you're just not good enough, and that's just all there is to it, and it's just like over and uh that th- this this organization no longer seems to view it that, like development that way, like there's always something you can do to try to be better,
0: yeah, I mean, I know there's a lot of times where we saw players go down the, the development camp where it sounds like it's a Something like, you know, you can cue the Star Wars music of like the Empire Strikes Back music where, you know, the players going down there and either they ship up or ship out. I mean, we've seen a right. lot of players. We, we see the, the great Yaya Shantouf now released. There's a couple other guys that I guarantee you after the season ends, a lot of guys you are familiar with in a system are, that have been staples for a while are going to be long gone. And so yeah. um, one of the questions we did get in here from our chat from Bradley Davis, he says, you understand why Keith is playing at second while Jace is also at while se- well, Jace is also at second. I think Keith would work and could be an okay third baseman. You know, Bradley. I think in, right now in Toledo, it's just a product of necessity. They're still they put Malloy out there for a, t- a few times at third to see if he's still viable. So right now, I think the the question becomes like I, I know that Jace's, Young's defense is fine. I mean, there was something that he gets questioned about that a lot. Scott, I don't know if you've seen the kind of like react. He doesn't really, he gets really pissed about it. And I, I don't blame him. Like, I really don't blame him. He makes, he makes the fine Like he, he's shown decent range. I don't, maybe I'm missing something, but I, I think he's, he's serviceable at second base. So the question then becomes, all right, can he play first base? Can he do something else that I, I honest with you? I don't know about that, but, but I think with Keith, You'll find you'll find something, in and you'll you'll make room for him. And I think the Tigers have some really interesting dilemmas they have to consider here. With I think because Lynn Henning said that he thinks Young can make it in the major leagues, and normally nine times out of ten, I love Lynn Henning is probably the reason why him and Sean Belision are the reasons why I got in this whole radio
1: newspaper business. People clown on Lynn. Lynn rocks, man. Like yeah, he Lynn- he had, he has some takes that that you're going to disagree with sometimes but right. like you know he he knows he knows what he's talking about man
0: yeah and he knows the right people but i will say this like 3 months ago to laugh them about that but when you have a split that's better than your west michigan split and the fact that one of the things about young that i really have looked at closely is the fact that the adjustments he makes at the plate he is swinging more aggressively in the zone he is taking more pitches and He's working the counts to get those counts in his favor more often than not. And I, I think that when you get to double A, it's always about adjusting to that higher level of pitchers. There, that, you know, that slider that doesn't break in what and high A is going to break in double A um, or wherever the case is. And I think that that's been a big case for him. But as far as get back to his defensive abilities, again, he stepped in for Women's Seal Perez who could not just had the yips and just could not throw up the first base for whatever reason. I think. I love to see more of a, a sample size, whether we get some time in the AFL or not. But I, I think you can find a way to make those two work in the infield if they're that if they're that good. There's you can you you find ways to make it work. And and one thing I forgot before about Toledo. I know Keith's been struggling, but this is the longest season Keith has played in the, in his professional career. I mean, remember he missed last year, and it was the right. year before that. So I think people might have to consider it might be a little, he might be running out of gas just because he's also been playing since the AFL too of last year.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I think, I mean, to your point, like if first things first, if they, if they both hit that, they, they will both play like, that's, yeah. you know what I mean? Like long term, they'll, they'll figure it out. They, they will, they will find a way if they, uh, if they both hit well. But um, I, I think that I, I don't have like major concerns at this point about young defensively. Um, I think that the reason why you're still seeing Keith play second is because, I I mean, A, I mean, we've seen what this front office drools over people that can play multiple positions. So, like, that's, like, a really easy thing to point to. But um, I also think that just, like, long-term, you know, you don't want to put – healthy organizations don't put all of their, like, eggs in one basket. Like, you don't look at your organization and you go, like, oh, like, Colt Keith is going to be the third baseman of the future. We don't need to like draft or develop or like really care about any other third baseman for the foreseeable future because like whatever. And same thing, obviously I know there's quite a few second basemen now throughout the system after this draft as well. But that's a, uh, again, like if they hit, they they will figure out a way to, to utilize them both. And I think with Keith, I still think that like next year, even like the guy who, if I was a betting man, I would put money on Keith playing the most games at third base next year, uh, assuming they don't go out and get a free agent, but I don't knock them for second either. Cause that's also a black hole, right? Like Keith happens to play third and second, which are both just at the major league level, complete black holes at the moment. And he's closer to major league ready than, than young. So I, I don't, Think he like only needs to play third. Obviously, if he's going to play third next year, and that's kind of the plan, then he should probably be playing more there than second. But uh, I don't mind them still, you know, making sure that he uh, he's serviceable at second base as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're doing yourself. That's why you're doing yourself a service, really, in in all honesty with that. And so, um, to me, it makes a lot of sense where you can see a situation too where maybe they perhaps make a trade or two. In the off-season. I think they will,
1: man. Yeah, I, 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 they- I just had this conversation with uh, with Gorosh actually, like yesterday. Like, I I, I don't know how they don't. Like, I, I I think I I think they they maybe even multiple. Like, I like they they oh, they yeah. have to. The free agent class stinks, and like I, I don't want to get too far off track here, but like the free agent class stinks. They have. Not log jams, but like they're they're populated at, at some positions, right? And I, I I think they have to, and I and I wouldn't shock me if some of the guys we even talk about, you know, that some prospects are even on the table.
0: Yeah, no, no and that, I mean, you, you look at somebody like as much as we love Andre Lipsius, there's yeah. a reason why you're show, you're showcasing them. Potentially, you right. could trade them because a team like I always we well, always joke about this with Chris that yeah, he would be a perfect Cardinal because he just, seems yeah. like, you know, like that kind of makeup to him. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can definitely see that. And they, and they need pitching because if there's one thing about the Tigers right now, you look at the fact that outside of Gibson long and look at Ty Madden here, and this is kind of the segue into Ty Madden. Since August 10th, he's pitched a lot better, 44 strikeouts over uh, 33 innings. He's still walking quite a bit, but he's held batters to a 207 batting average and a, a, a pretty good fit at 3.84. So he is pitching better as of late, but you still have to figure out exactly. Okay. Is he, can he start establishing against lefties? Cause against lefties, that's where it, that's, that's my concern that if you're going to, if you, cause even like Wilmer Flores, who's, who's out and rehabbing right now, he may be, end up being a reliever at some point, you know, like it, I first, I didn't want to believe that, but the more I saw it this year, I'm like, well, maybe there's a, a kind of reliever risk to him. But I mean, it, it I know Madden looks at the data. Madden is a guy who looks at, embraces it and tries to make himself better with it. So the question becomes then, is he going to be, is he going to take that next step next year to where he's going to be considered a call up? And that's where right now the Tigers don't really, if you, if you look at it on, on paper, that doesn't really don't have money options because saw my shut it down and he, whether he's going to be, again, it's not, you don't pencil him automatically either. There's always that assumption that, People, well, they're here, well, this is exactly how it's going to be. No, no, no. I mean, with pitch, especially pitching. I
1: Especially pitching.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if, if we've not, we not learned, not once, not twice, but three times for the Mets throughout history, the Mets in the 80s had this great rotation with Doc Gooden and a bunch of guys who were going to be the next big rotation, and it ended up flaming out. The 90s, where they had Bull Pulsifer and Jason Ingenhauser, and it was going to be the next big thing. That flamed out, yeah. and then most recently with Matt Harvey and Noah Syndergaard, and it yeah. just didn't. You know, you don't
1: Noah Syndergaard's even. I mean, he got waived by the Cleveland. I mean, yeah, I, I can't believe people wanted him. Yeah, <laughs> for Tigers fans that wanted them, I, 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 and you know, the the biggest thing for you know, we can talk big picture, right, and like who's gonna yeah. who who are going to be the prominent players, big picture in this rotation, but like if you're just trying to look at 2024, man, like you. you you, you don't have anyone guaranteed to be here next year that has thrown like 150 or 160 innings at the major league level before like right. like and again if you re-sign Erod there's one like good job but like you don't have anyone guaranteed that fits that bill going into 2024 like you're not going to be able to just be like oh yeah like you know, Reese Olsen, Sawyer Gibson-Long, Tarek Skubel, Matt Manning, Casey Mize. Like, we're good. Or, like, you bring back Erod and, and Sawyer Gibson-Long gets the boot. Like, you're good. Like, you know, you'll be fine. Like, no, you you need options. And that's uh, something that the Tigers have had the advantage of the last two years, right? They had Bo Brisky waiting in the wings. They, they obviously, we've seen this year, like Reese Olson waiting in the wings and, and Sawyer Gibson-Long. And, like, that's an advantage they've had. But now, Garrett Hill, you know, go down the list. Um, Joey Wentz, Alex Fido, et cetera. Now you're at a point where going into next year. That's a, a much to your point. Like there isn't like really like Fido's going to get transitioned to a reliever next year. Like Joey Wentz, certainly you're not penciling in to be like a high end starting pitcher next season. Uh, Garrett Hill, I don't think is a starting pitcher at the major league level. I think that ship has sailed. Like you, you're now at a point where you, all of that starting pitching depth that people like myself talked about six months ago, is is kind of gone very quickly going into next year, and so uh, if if it's not going to be like Wilmer, or then it's really Ty Madden, and then like who else? I I, I agree with you, and I, and I wanted to ask about his fastball too, because um that is something that earlier in the year was like my biggest concern was him was just like how effective can his fastball be at the major league level, and and I wanted to get your two cents on that. Well, I mean. Lefties are hitting two seventy five against him with twelve home runs,
0: like right handers he has no problem with, and what times what it looks like is just is when he tries to locate his fastball, it's elevated and they just they just simply turn on it and, and they just knock it out, yeah, and so that's where you see a lot of i mean a lot of the seven- you know seventeen doubles against it it's it's a pitch you can hit i mean it, it's a, such a different contrast o p s wise eight ninety seven versus 570 when he pitches to righties. So that oh. fastball, Scott, doesn't really play up to lefties right now. And that's where right. you kind of, it gives you pause. Now, I have to look at the sp- splits over the last 28 days, how lefties have fared, but, um, he's still struggling sometimes with getting that command for, for walks in there, at least in my opinion. And that's, that's what's going to take him to the next level. If he can't get, if right now, it, it, the biggest thing, that I would like to see in the off season too, is his like, he, he changed. That was his biggest concern coming out of college. Remember is, was his fastball. So you bring up a good point there. Has it changed enough to where there's been some progress, but honestly, if, if he can't bury it, if he can't set it up to where he can throw a slider on the inside part, or, or just, or just get anybody on the inside part of the player sure. on, on the side, your fastball, becomes, it's
1: useless. Yeah. Well, I mean, we see that with, um, we see that with Wentz, you know, if you want a major league example, like that's a guy who his secondary stuff, all of his non seam fastball pitches don't grade out terribly. They're just not as effective as they were in September of last year when he had like a sub two ERA because his fastball has been so atrocious and like that's. You know, the, the, it's, it's hard to, (laughs) it's hard to be a major league pitcher without some sort of established heater, whether it's a four seamer, you know, something with movement, a pitch to contact thing, like whatever. It's very hard to establish the zone when you don't have any sort of velocity that you can rely on. And, and, uh, even if that's, you know, doing well against righties, not against lefties, whatever, that's still something that has kind of been a lot of people and myself's concerns with him for the last year or so. And, uh, I still really like Ty Mad and I still love the draft pick. Um and that's just the kind of the next thing that uh that I think he needs to to develop through.
0: Yeah, I I think there's like I said, I think there's a possible I, I'm not going to give up on him yet. I think he's still he's a guy who works his ass off. Like yeah, he, 100%. Like me, yeah, he's he, he has really done a really good job of working on things he can control, but it's just going to be a work in progress because I mean, you look at the advanced numbers Comparatively speaking, last year he's walking a few, but I think it's also because with more of a sample size, of course. But also, he is trying to figure out establishing that left again. I know we're we're beating him with the dead horse, but it's true because that's his the biggest thing. Righties, he has no problem with. I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, 140 strikeouts and in 114 innings. We look at it on on paper; looks impressive, but then you look at that walk per nine; it's almost almost at four, and that's not yeah. gonna. It's not going to play at the next level, of course. And it's just well, that's something that this organization is certainly going to drive home as well. <laughs> yeah. Like, yo, bro, I mean, there's a reason why you're not in Toledo. Right. I mean, if I, there was
1: ever I, an organization <laughs> to, yeah. to drive like, home lowering bros. walk race, it's <laughs>
0: going to be this one. Yo, bro, like, Yeah, they, they they actually say bro too. <laughs> um, right. But you as far like. as rest of Erie goes, it looks like they're going to they they come home this week to play Somerset or excuse me, uh Richmond. And it looks like they'll probably be playing Richmond. Richmond now has a one game lead over them in the playoffs. And Richmond, if they lose would all well, the second and how it works is essentially the first half champion plays the second half champion and at the division before they move, move on and potentially probably play Somerset in a rematch of last year's Eastern league championship. And so, but like I was mentioning outside of, uh, Bryce Tyson or Bryce Tyson had a pretty good week too, but rest of the starters, uh, in lockhart's return pitched decently but jace young was on fire for a good three days he hit home runs for three straight days he had two two and then one where there was a sequence where and i have it pulled up right here where they hit three in a
1: row swing and a fly ball well struck out to right field from Jerry richardson drifting back still going still going tracking wall and it's gone Touch him all time. Then Malgiri, number 12. He goes to the opposite field, and Erie takes a one nothing lead here in the third. But he's a guy capable of breaking out at any point with his quick swing. First pitch, drives one in the air to left. We're pretty well struck. Polenski going back. He's at the track. He's at the wall, and that ball is gone. Touch him all time. Luis Santana as the Seawolves go back-to-back here in the third inning, and they've got a 2-0 lead. Santana with his 11th. Wines and deals the payoff. Young blasted deep right field. That one's not coming back. It's crushed and gone. And that's three straight home runs for the Seawolves here in the third inning.
0: Yeah, that was a, by the way, audio courtesy of uh, the Erie Seawolves radio network. I was able to sync those up. And because uh, during that whole, the first two home runs, or during the whole entire sequence, the Somerset broadcaster was talking to a sponsor. So it was kind of, it was just like, were, oh, well, this program does this. And it just, uh, I asked Greg if he could give me the audio and he was able to. So thanks to Greg and the Sea Wolves network for allowing that to happen. So, but uh, yeah, but every home run, it was just like a hundred miles an hour off the bat. Just shot, just blast.
1: Yeah, man. He He's had, I mean, you want to, again, you want to talk about, minor league hitting development i mean he he might be at the top of the list him and bigby might be at the top of the list this season man like i i mean phenomenal year and and has exceeded i mean certainly all of my expectations for him this year i i, I know that that chris wasn't too high on him last year and i don't think i was as low as him but like i i wasn't super impressed with what he did last season either. And this year, again, like we talk like constantly just like making adjustments and, and, uh, and, and now we're here and he like has a chance to hit like 30 homers in the minors. (laughs) Like he's been, he's been unbelievable. And um, yeah, I mean, I am excited to see him continue to move up the ladder. I think Toledo next year is uh, you know, not only realistic, but probable, um, whether it's to start the year or whether it's, you know, like a June promotion or whatnot. I, I think that that is probably in the cards and um, yeah, man, I'm I'm excited to just see him like he's at a point now where like I'm, I'm confident that he's going to do damage like where he's at. And I, and I just want to see him continue to face better and better pitching and better and better spin. Honestly. Like I, I want to see him continue facing like left handers with sliders. Like that's really like the, the thing that I want to see him face, the most, but the, the thing that gets me the most excited about him more than even the homers is like the walk numbers, man. Like yeah. I, 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 the, the walk rate. And like you said earlier, you had mentioned it, you know, how often you look at these, these clips of like homers and and great at bats and stuff from him and how often he's ahead of the count is, is awesome.
0: Yeah. And I, I think there's one thing that, I mean, Lynn Henning was saying that you could see him at a major league level last year. That was one of those takes where I was like, I, like I said, a few months ago, I would
1: disagree with him, but it's more and more accurate these days. I think so. he's like the this next year's version of like Keith and Malloy. We're like next yeah. year. He's the guy that we're all going to be like, why the heck is he not in the major? <laughs> right. Yeah. What when he's, he's gonna in do? AAA uh in July, I think that he's like the guy that, na- you know, it was – what was it last year? It was Cody Clemens. Like there's, there's at least one guy every year who like just crushes the ball and everybody's like, Oh, give, you know, call him up, call him up. And I think he's, he's probably next year's version of that. If I'm trying to project.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I I think he is. uh, I think there'll be something else. Hopefully Roberto Campos makes some strides too, but that leads us into West Michigan who just last had a chance yesterday. Fort Wayne lost, but unfortunately came up short. As they lost to Great Lakes and they ended their season just a half a game back, the oh. postseason. season. Final record of the year, though, 60 and 61. Hell of a job by Brian Pena.
1: Considering all I the. I love Brian Pena, man. I do too. Oh my is, goodness. What a like hidden gem in this organization, man. Seriously. Yeah. He has done a really good job with. Fantastic. Uh,
0: yeah. Whatever he's able to adjust to, he's been getting out there. And, and they also lost. Uh, it's unfortunately it's some news about Troy, Troy Melton left the game with an injury. There's still not any uh, exactly what happened, which was a big blow for him. Melton has in Jeff Pontus from baseball. America has been high on him. A lot of organizations, a lot of people have been high on him and it's kind of, what was a blowback for, for the, for the white caps and I mean, Jackson Jove did a hell of a job yesterday. He, he, he kept the white caps in the game Had a good week. And it was one of those things where late, or so West Michigan, by the way, had a or excuse me Erie had an open spot on Sunday, and I really think that Job could have had a chance to start in Somerset, and Western Michigan not been in contention, and so we'll be interested to see if, um, you know, if, if he's an opportunity that maybe he will see some time in Erie. Who knows? Um, but uh, Carlos Pena, who won, I believe twice, he's won pitcher of the month, and Midwestern League, finishes uh, had a really good week. I'll be interested to see what happens with him. Uh, again, this is a guy who was only pitch, started pitching recently. He's not a guy who's been pitching since his youth. So he saw some time at Erie last year, but we'll see if they'll just call him up, up to maybe get a couple starts in or use him on the bullpen. We shall see. Uh, beyond that, Luke Gold, back-to-back days. He had a home run on Friday, had a home run on Saturday. He had, he finished strong. Steph Stevenson, who we had a chance to talk to last week, you go to our uh, YouTube channel. Uh, kind of struggled this week a little bit, but overall
1: I, I Pacheco, the, the biggest sign was Pacheco finishing the season strong. I'm Scott. so happy for him, man. Like, even if it doesn't like, it's not a long-term fix or whatnot. Like I, I this has been the season from hell for him. And like, I, I'm just glad that he could at least end on, on somewhat of a, of a positive note there. Cause I, I mean, I wanted to ask you about him going into this and just like, what has been the biggest reason in your guys' eyes for like the, I mean, just really, really brutal year at the plate. Like now there's questions about defense again. And last year, like we thought he was taking strides in the right direction. He plummeted. I mean, prospect rankings, he went from like, like a borderline top 10 prospect to like 30 in, you know, in one update on a lot of sites. Like I, I'm very happy for him. And I wanted to ask you about him as well. You know, I think defensively,
0: I think outside of making the... I mean, this was something that it was a work in progress since he arrived in Lakeland last year. Yeah. There was a, his time... Last year's glove looked atrocious early on before he got to West Michigan and, and he started looking better at, at the corner. I mean, this is a guy who was also projected you could probably put him in right field someday because it's just kind of yeah. the size he has. But overall, I think his arm plays up well. Again, I think it's just a couple mental things with him. But I think the biggest takeaway that I saw in the Lansing and I'll go back to Lansing for whatever reason, he hits well in Lansing. He just figured he just mashes in Lansing. I I think with him was in between the ears a little bit. I think he overthought things at the plate too much. He was trying to find a routine. He saw his dye, his hair He was trying to Jersey numbers. And I think there was a lot to that got to him. And I think just, yeah, I think the last few weeks, I just, maybe to me just looks a lot more relaxed at the plate. I don't, I, I think he's just, I think defensively, I think he's fine. I I don't, again, he's, is he a guy long-term at third base? Maybe not. Maybe you can see him at, maybe at first someday or something to that effect. But for now, based off a a couple, his defensive metrics, honestly, I don't know. Like I, I, maybe it's because I, have seen him enough to go, well, he's serviceable. (laughs) I don't really want to go in and dive on the kid's defense, but the, the, the bat though, again, he's only, I think he's only 20. So he still has plenty of time, and and I think that the the one thing I will be interested to see what he does in uh, fall instructs is whether or not they start putting him in another position or they continue to try to play him at third. But he has the arm to play third, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and uh, again, like I, I just cannot stress enough how um how glad I am that he at least could. And on a little bit of a of a high note there, I I honestly I just can't wait to talk about Jackson Job.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's, let's go in the, yeah, let's go. Yeah, let's go into let's let's go into the Jackson Job conversation. Oh my goodness, Joe, man! I'm gonna pull some clips up for Jackson Joe because it it was one of those things where he, fastball command, fastball is life. And if you can't yeah. get anybody out with your fastball at any level, it doesn't matter. You can have all the secondaries in the world, but if you can't set up your if you can't set up your secondaries with your fastball, then it, it, it's it's pointless. I mean, you just I, 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 here's an here's an example of this. I mean, over his last four starts, 22 innings, and um ERA 2.05, a whip of eight point point eight two, twenty eight 28 strikeouts, <sighs> no walks. Zero. Zero walks. And I have to use my voice
1: like that because I'll emphasize that. No walks. Well, he has like he has like four total in West Michigan this yeah. season or something preposterous. Like he he it's it's unbelievable, man. The 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 I mean again, and we want to talk about like fast pitches, fastball movement on pitches. Like he's another prime example. Like, you know, his his heater moves now. Like it's 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 a a remarkable thing that this development team like loves to utilize. And and I love that Job is now a part of it as well. Um, uh, man, watching him pitch has just been so fun. Like uh, it's, swim, it, it's maybe the awesome. most fun I've had watching a minor league pitcher for the Tigers in a while.
0: Yeah. Because a lot of times when I, I, I like, I often talk about this with Chris that people sometimes will say, well, well you guys should show more pictures. The reason why I put the pictures more on the YouTube, because you can, you can't really sum up a pitcher based off one, Highlight You have to kind of put it together and see how they sequence everything, how they put together, for example, like with Flores, Flores was struggling with, there are times where he kind of had a bulldog through his way through a start. And yeah. you saw that sometimes where he was like, just you give him a lot of hard time attack and then eventually calm down. You can see how it progressed, how he got in and out of trouble on Twitter. It's a little different because you see, like we just saw, we just showed you a, if you're watching us on YouTube, that sequence of him with that, what just, it looked like there was this uh, sl- slider. You know, what are you going to do with it? I mean, it, that's one example of it. So, you want to make sure you see a situation where you're going to um, see how he set up that fast, how he set up the three count or however the case may be. Is he having long counts? And so, yeah. um, especially yesterday, yesterday was a clutch start. That's like number one ace status stuff right there. When West Michigan needed him to step up for the postseason, and that chance to get in there, he was able to go in there. And I am I, I'm, I'm, I would love to see him uh, because he still has, I mean, again, he's coming off an injury. Is he love
1: to see him? in? can you imagine him as a weapon, the seawolves in the bullpen? Oh I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. Th- that was my next question was going to be like, I, I feel like Erie next season is like kind of the expectation at this point. Now. Yeah, no, I you definitely will start the season in Erie. There's no doubt in my
0: mind. Yeah. About that. I think based off, I, I originally I was projecting him. I, I think we we're like more, I, I, we we're kind of bullish about it at the beginning during his injuries. And then when, when the injury happened, you're like, oh man, we're not, we're, we might not even um, see him, but you might see him in Erie this week. There, I mean, why not? I mean, I mean yeah. what are you gonna do with that? What are you gonna do with that? Nothing. It's, There's nothing. No, it's just, it doesn't matter. Who they're facing, but he's a completely different pitcher than he was last year. Like last year, we saw him; he was good, but this year it's like masterclass good because the fact that he's able to go in in and out on righties and lefties. I mean, look at that; I mean, it's just like that that pitcher alone. That like just that the, the talent actually has on on righties and lefties. I mean, you know, if he would if he wasn't hurt and he was pitching like this, he would have probably maybe been. Like, imagine him being like this a whole season. He could have been a triple A, maybe even knocking at the door at this point.
1: Honestly, like, yeah, no. And that's why that's what makes me so excited for next year. You know, people, whenever it's swinging a miss high school arms specifically are drafted, you know, people always think like, oh, we're not going to see this dude for like eight years or whatever, you know, and people get super dramatic about it. But like, I I think that there is a real possibility that next season, if he's assuming he starts in Erie, I mean, I, I don't think it's ridiculous. And obviously the Tigers, you know, the major league products contention is uh, going to be a, a large factor in it as well. But like, it wouldn't shock me if he was a, a candidate for a September call up next year.
0: No, I I don't see that being an issue either. I mean, it, the biggest thing that we saw this year compared to last year was both sides of the plate command. And it, again, you can look at some of the, okay, granted, has he given up a lot of home runs? Yes he has given up a lot of home runs, but it's going to happen based off the fact that here you are coming off injury and you're trying to figure out what's working for you. I mean, I, when we went to this first start, I think it was against I want to see, Fort Wayne, a, a couple of times that a lot of that home run was something that just floated in there and they were able to capitalize on it. And I think in, if, if for Erie, for anybody in double the, A the first time they'll see him through the order, I think I don't know if you start them in the playoffs, but I think you, you give them as an opportunity to give them the bullpen um, to help the Seawolves out in terms of just giving them another starter to, to work with. Because if you're looking at the playoffs right now, you're looking probably at Adam Wolf starting perhaps when Flores goes back up there, Herder, you have Lockhart. But if you put Job in there, there is a, like a somebody that can go two or three innings or have them spot start before, and you put in somebody like Wolf to finish off a game before you get to the bullpen. I, I think that's a total possibility. It, it, the biggest thing that I've seen that progress that I, I liked about him a lot outside of the walks is the fact that he is not afraid to throw in a fastball and a count that, and a non-fastball count, he's using his fastball to get swings and misses. And that's huge, Scott.
1: Awesome. Awesome, man. And, uh, I, you know, I, I know pe- some people are just like tired of hearing about like the spin, but it's like generational, like it, it, it's like worth yeah. noting every single time you talk about him. And I think the biggest thing, you know, I mean, we could just go on the line of all of his pitches, I guess you talked about his fastball. Obviously the slider is, uh, as you know, as, as promised, I guess like that, that's always been the bread and butter and, and what we heard about on draft night, but like the changeup this year, I think has been a huge uh, like the, it's a, it's very much a circle, like in it, you know, people hear circle change or like, Oh, like, why is it called that? Like whatever, you know, in the fingering, et cetera. But like this literally moves in like half a, half a circle. Like it, it, it legitimately, that thing is, is disgusting when he throws it, um, like arm side to lefties too. Like it's over, you know what I mean? Like that's just such a disgusting pitch. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think that plus to your point and, uh, and there you go. Shout out Matthew Scheidel the dog yeah. uh that like that's uh, exactly right and, and especially when you when your best pitch is is a breaking pitch as well like even more so right you're pounding the strike zone and your best pitch is a slider you're going to give up some home runs um and that's that's a great point for sure i i'm i would much rather and, and like this is this is my own like philosophy on pitching so that doesn't mean that it has to be like universal or anything but like I would much rather you pound the strike zone and and get rocked or, or like give up the long ball every once in a while than walk like people like ever <laughs> like I, no, I, I'm I I'm just I would that man. significantly rather you, you just like law of law of averages man and and just like probability like the the pitcher is gonna win that battle more times than not even if you're not the best pitcher in the world nonetheless if you have nasty stuff like that like just fill the zone and and it'll work itself out more times than not.
0: Yeah. And I was so what I was trying to do was I'm I'm airdropping right now something that is rather extra extraordinary. And it was a it was one of those things where we saw it happen live and this was for his first start back and I'm gonna share my screen here and you'll see you're talking about out of the world spin. You're talking about uh um yeah, here here it is. Look at this. Ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, man. Look at that spin rate. Look, what that! I mean, part of my language, but holy shit! Like,
1: just like <laughs> For <wow>. real, no. <laughs> I mean, that's that, that's ridiculous. It's remarkable. I, I'm, and it's again, like it's just kiss. It's uh, like I'll, everyone talks about the the slider, and and as they should. It's 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 wild, but. Um, that fastball be spinning too, man. Like that, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really, it's, it's so impressive. Um, his, his stuff is so impressive. And and I think this year it, he, he needed this, like he he needed this for the organization. He needed this for the fan base to get behind him a little bit more. I, I, I think that, um, it, it was just such a controversial start. And I felt so bad because like, it's not his fault. He didn't choose to be drafted there over like who was on the board and he didn't, like and all that, and and he's gone out there and just looked absolutely fantastic and and I think that it's uh it's gotten a lot of people excited um and I'm, and I'm happy about that,
0: yeah, people forget about a guy named Meyer, crazy, or he's on the he end he ended the season Who? The yeah, yeah, <laughs> I was so sick of people doing that, like just yeah. bringing it up every time, um which kind of leads into. Uh, by the way, Deadly Ninja Beats wants to know what the hell was sort of Gibson long throwing yesterday. It looked like he had Bugs Bunny stuff. It was a slider and uh, his
1: McCaskey, change. Chris McCaskey brought a tear to my eye. It, oh my it made me tingle. That, that uh, was absolutely disgusting, man. Oh, uh, it was remarkable. So it was funny. So early on in the game, Chris McCaskey of the
0: Detroit News text me. He's like, "What the hell is he throwing?" Essentially, I'm just like, "Well, this is his cutter, and and this is he has a cutter." But he has a a, a changeup that is we'll go along the slider is filthy. I mean that change. He was throwing that when he the, when I saw him against Omaha, that changeup was getting the same kind of swinging um, miss stuff. And so it was like a pow, it was a it started becoming a power pitch because he threw he kind of threw a sinker, but he abandoned it for the changeup. And it, it, yeah, there's. It was like something like Al- Albuquerque style. I mean, it, 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 honestly, like that kind of movement, Scott, I mean, L- I don't know about L- you. Yeah. Good old Al- Albuquerque, but
1: yeah. Didn't give up an extra base hit till like year two of his major yeah, league career. What a guy. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was insane.
0: Um, but speaking of expectations real quick, before we get out of here, we do want to mention Lakeland. who are going to the postseason and they kick off tomorrow on Tuesday against Clearwater Game one is at home and then they go to Clearwater for games two and three, if necessary, the best out of three series. And uh, a lot of props to Lakeland this year, who again, if you look at the roster on the surface, this is a, a team that in the first half of the season looked lost, uh, just looked kind of, you weren't sure in terms of an identity and, but they got it done. I mean, they were an exciting team to watch. they, when the week, a couple weeks ago when they played Bridgeton and they came back from 14 down and almost won, and it was 14 13. It was like, holy crap. I mean, they've been entertaining the watch the entire time, but man, like that was, it was just, it was crazy. And they look at, you look at their pitching staff, yes, is not right. Much, admittedly, it is not much to write home about. Um, it is a kind of hodgepodge of guys right now. It's similar to Toledo in a sense because you're just seeing what they have with some of their international guys and some of the college bat guys like Joe animates. who will we'll get to in a second, but they finished with the best run differential second half of a season at plus 93, the second best team of the best team, the second best team closest to it was Fort Myers at plus 43. That's how much, I mean, they were dominating at home all season. They have, um, but again, it was just a fun offense to watch. And, you know, one of the things that stands out to me about this Scott is they just got the kids from the Four Complex League, so the Max yeah, Clarks, man. Kevin McGonagall, and it's they've been they don't get me wrong they've been contributing, and a lot of people come down Max Clark, yeah, he's finally just hit a hard hit ball like stop,
1: Okay. The, the guy just graduated from high school and he's in. He's in single A ball. <laughs> he was in, high, in He was playing against high school pitchers two months ago, three yeah. months ago, and now he's in single A. Like everybody calls. Well, let's him compare him. Uh, let's compare him to uh, uh, what's his
0: face? Uh, oh, walk, Langford. Walker, let's whatever, compare him yeah. to Dylan Cruz. Get out! Nah, knock it off. Knock it! Off. Like I have no patience for that kind of crap. Because what do you know? Wait, what were you doing at eighteen nineteen in your spare time? I don't want to <laughs> know, but I, I gotta have a good idea what you're doing. I, but,
1: and like, I don't know, I weirdly what, like I I enjoy the fact that he's struggling a little bit if that makes yeah. sense like yeah. make an adjustment man like, Yeah, he's making an adjustment absolutely an adjustment and but the oh, fact I, I, like him and McGonagall have been hitting one two like it's not yeah. just like oh like they're like in the lineup like M- McGon- like if you look at those lineups man McGonagall and Clark are like leading off and batting second like pretty consistently like that's that's wild to again like these guys were facing high school pitching three months ago and are now batting like one two for a, a, a professional playoff team like that's that's crazy i'm, I mean, I'm gonna go I'm
0: might be the steel Like baseball america is pretty high on the tigers drafting him. and i remember listening to the podcast and chris and i were having conversations about it but the fact is he draws walks he gets deep counts his strikeout to ball ratio since he's been in professional ball is ridiculous. I mean, this is a guy who, yeah, you just mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. He was doing that. He was doing the whole showcase scene, but yeah. in his professional career so far in Lakeland in 12 games, he's had more seven walks to five strikeouts. He's got an OPS of nine, 13, And he is just, he looks the part at shortstop. He's looking like he's playing. and this is where a, the Tigers may have find a gem, uh, maybe a long-term solution for shortstop. Like I know Henning was going on about him, but then like, it, it, uh, oh, by the way, every game next year will be televised in Lakeland. So it's all mandatory. So, so we'll get to see more of this, but he could start the season in West Michigan for all we know at this point, honestly. Um, but they, he's been in such a big, him big help along with Jim Jarvis and some of the other guys who really kind of helped out a team that, Really, even we saw um, Jose uh, or uh, uh, Braceno, who I don't think long term is going to be a catcher. The guy's massive, um, <laughs> but you saw Christian Santana actually pick it up this week. Hit he hit a little better, but he's been struggling all season long. The lack of consistency from their bats. I, I, Jose De La Cruz has picked up a little bit, but again, he strikes out too much. Um, but then, it, it, the, the biggest takeaway is the pitching. Like you, yeah. you name two starters from Lakeland, right. mean, Outside of Jaden Ham,
1: <laughs> right? <laughs> well, it's 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 it makes what they go twenty games over five hundred in the second half. Like it, it yeah. makes it even uh, more impressive. And and again, like not to you know answer a pitching question when talking about offense, but like it, it even makes that you know all, all the more impressive.
0: There's, I mean, here's an example of in terms of Lakeland pitching wise for the season, they have a 496 ERA. Okay. So they, it, it, here, here, okay. Here's, here's an example of their, in terms of like the, the before the all, like you're talking about first half versus second half, um, splits as far as pre all star games concerned.
1: Um, Oh, they man, literally went it like it was like 44 and 22 or 40 and 20 or something yeah. like they like literally went like over 20 games over 500 in the second half.
0: Yeah. So it's r- ridiculous. I mean, this is a team that starting the year was just could not could not get it together as far as like pitching goes. Um, But they were able you saw that I mean, essentially, Melton was the only consistent starter. Yeah but since since around i mean even in july when they started heating up a little bit they were still getting decent performances it's really were in, in but it was the offense that carried them i mean they really were able to centralize that offense by just keeping themselves in the games constantly it was a fun like again lakeland highlights were hard to come by but when you can get anything from jaden ham who was just drafted who looks looks phenomenal in his start three innings one hit Six strikeouts. Uh, You're getting stuff from Joe Animitz, who's been able to provide some stability. The new guys, the new fusion of draft talents, really helped out. Um, Guys like, for example, uh, Eduardo Ibarra, who I wish we see a little bit more. Uh, Cam Brown, who was at High A but came back down, really nailed down the closer side of things. So this is where you know, even a guy like a guy intriguing arm to us too is Carlos Mercado who whether or not he's going to be something or not, but they have enough there to at least potentially beat Clearwater this week. We'll, we'll see.
1: I'm pumped, man. I sure hope so.
0: Yeah. I mean, honestly, it, it's, it's good to see that. So Lakeland and Erie are your postseason representatives and we'll be back next week with or actually, we're going to have Brandon day on at some point to Chris will be joining us right. to do a minor league end of the season wrap up. Don't forget to check out Tiger My Report uh, or TigersMLReport.com. We have an article by our, our young intern, Colin. He's going to be reviewing all the pitchers of the year. I just got posted it here. It'll be scheduled for three o'clock on Monday. And so if you're listening to this afterwards and you're probably enjoying the article, uh, Scott, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, Locked on Tigers. Are you doing anything special this week? What's going on with Locked on
1: Tigers? Yeah, no, I mean, this week will just be, uh, you know, playing games every day. So a lot of that, but we, we have started shifting. I've noticed, uh, d- like subconsciously I started shifting into like, every time I bring up someone, I talk about like, Oh, like, you know, where do I see them in 2024? And like, we've just, it's sad, but you know, <laughs> we have just hit that point where, uh, like off season tar- talk has kind of started. So, um, pumped there and then, yeah, hockey around the corner too. So, uh, that's, you know, coming up quick. So, uh, over at red wings as well, that'll be, uh, Fun, fun, but busy time of year for uh, for yours, truly. Yeah, I was going to say, Scott, I mean, there's a
0: lot of also some prospects over in Grand Rapids too, to, to consider. And, oh, yeah, um, you know, WNJB saying, I wish we could play the Shite Sox more. And yes, that would be great. They did finish <laughs> over
1: 500 over every team in, in the NL Central for the first time in, since 2011. They went 30 so. and 16. I mean, we still have the series against the Royals and the Guardians left and like they're 30 and 16 against the AL Central this year, man. It's crazy. It is ridiculous. Uh,
0: They host a three game series starting tomorrow against the Reds before they go out to Anaheim and somehow will lose that series. I'm not saying that to be cynical or an an asshole, but for whatever reason, they can never win in Anaheim. Like historically speaking, the Tigers have always struggled in
1: Anaheim. Yeah, I'm going to call Anaheim because that's where they play. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow.
1: yes they, uh, well the unfortunate thing is even with as bad as the uh, the angels are you're right they do always struggle there and they also no matter how bad the a's are uh tend to to struggle against them and, and it's in oakland um so i'm hoping that we don't just completely embarrass ourselves uh, but we're also like a 500 team on the road so i have a little bit of hope at the same time same here. I, I do too.
0: So, again, check out all Scott Bentley's work on on Tigers. We follow him on Twitter. And you it, it will, again, there'll probably be more of a cross collaboration between the two of us. And we've been, we, I'll say this once and I'll say it again. We are going to have physically have lunch here soon. This is going to happen. <laughs> yes. uh, this is going to be something where I might, like, I'm going to pick his brain a little more about the Ravens because this offseason, in order to me to completely shut down, I need to focus on something else other than because right now everybody's drinking the Lions Kool-Aid and that's fine. But quite frankly, I don't want to know about football every five seconds between Michigan state to, we can making headlines in Michigan. I need something else. And I, I miss talking hockey. I mean, the, it's going to be a fun year. My, my hockey <laughs> knowledge from <clears throat> till 2000 was pretty good. And after that, it's been sporadic at best. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you, I still have my four hockey stats from when I played in the nineties. Like. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Scott, thanks again. And we look thank forward you. to talking to you soon and everybody, thank you for tuning in on a Monday afternoon. If you have, and of course if you haven't, and you listen to the podcast form, we appreciate it. Have a good, have a good, ah, have a good afternoon, everybody. Oh, by the way.